Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Phil Dampier is with us, journalist and author who has been writing, has written many books on the British royal family for 33 years. He's been covering them and has, is with us now. Phil, thank you for the time. Much appreciated. Hi, Scott. Uh, the, the Prince Harry said there were no other options here for them. Were there other options? I mean, is there another way that this could have been done? Yeah, of course, there are other options, Scott. I think, uh, you know, he's saying that and he's trying a bit of a, a damage limitation exercise now. Uh, but it's all a little bit too late, I'm afraid, and the damage has been done. Um, he's off. We, we expect he's going to be flying back to uh, uh, Vancouver and going back to Vancouver Island within the next uh, day or two. Might, always, might even already be on his way. But uh, quite an emotional speech he gave, but I think he was trying to rewrite history a little bit. I mean, to say that he had no choice, of course he had a choice. He could have stayed. Uh, he could have, uh, you know, worked for the Queen. She had a big role lined up for him in the Commonwealth. And I think you noticed in that clip that you played, Scott, that he said it was it was my decision. I made the decision. I think he was very much there trying to deflect criticism away from Meghan and, and make out that he was the one who made the decisions and not her. And I think that's his way of protecting her. Look, I think people, you know, wish them luck. I think they... Um, hope that they uh, find happiness. Uh, the idea that they're going to be left alone by the paparazzi and, and uh, people following them around on social media, I'm not sure that uh, he's not being a little bit naive there. But if they're happy and they want to do what they want to do, I think most people say, well, that's fair enough, but you had to make a clean break. And that's what the, uh, that's what the Queen decided, that they should uh, make a clean break, pull away from his, uh, as you say, his military, uh, military titles, not take any taxpayers' money, uh, and, uh, you know, go off on their way, and uh, we'll see how it works out. It's going to be reviewed in a year's time, and if it's not working out, if, if it's felt that they're commercializing the royal family too much, then they might have to change things. Hmm. Why is this uh, such a uh, an emotional issue for people, whether it's, it's in the U.K. or around the world, uh, especially considering it's not like he's, you know, he's, he's quite, a distant from, uh, quite a distance from the throne at this point. Why is this such a, a big issue considering, you know, I mean, it's not Will and Kate, it's, it's Harry and Meghan. Uh, I think it's, I think it's uh, for several reasons. You know, he, as you say, he's dropped down to number six in the, in the pecking order, but he is extremely popular, and he was probably the most popular royal after the Queen. Um, and I think the Queen thought that he had a massive role to play because she can no longer fly abroad uh, and go around the Commonwealth, which, of course, she, she you know, was very much her life's work. And she was hoping that uh, he and Meghan uh, would uh, you know, have a fantastic, uh, a fantastic future there. But I think why it's, it's come as such a shock and why it's making headlines around the world is quite simply the, the very short space of time that it's all happened in. I mean, it's only 20 months since that wedding, which cost, what, £32 million it was estimated at, you know, uh, and uh, people rejoiced. They thought she was going to be a breath of fresh air. And in just a very short space of time, we didn't see that much of Meghan in the last uh, 18 months because, of course, she, she was off on maternity leave. Uh, so it's all come as a bit of a shock, and uh, especially shocking when you, you hear that they've actually been planning this for several months. So they didn't give it very long uh, before you know they jacked it in, and that's uh, sort of in, in stark contrast to the Queen, who, of course, has put in a stint of 67 years. Uh, because he or they were such a prominent brand for the monarchy, why was more not done to try to accommodate all of this? Well, that's a very good question. Um, I mean, at the heart of it, it, there seems to be a falling out between uh, between William, his brother, and, and uh, Harry and Meghan, suggestions that uh, Harry didn't feel that his brother and, and, and his sister-in-law, Kate, welcomed, welcomed Meghan with open arms been a report today that they're trying to patch things up but again it's a little bit too late um you know i hope they do think do patch things up because it's now going to be a massive burden on william and kate they're going to have a, a hell of a lot to do because obviously the queen's nearly 94 
Prince Philip's well retired, Charles and Camilla in their 70s. So who's going to do all the jobs? Um, so, yeah, I think uh, there are suggestions that maybe Prince Charles and William, as you say, could have acted a bit earlier and tried to head this off at the past. But I think that Harry and Meghan, once they got the idea into their head that they were determined to, uh, determined to leave and be independent and financially independent and carve out their own way, um, nothing was going to stop them. And uh, the Queen realised that. And so she had to... Uh, she thought at one point about taking away their Royal Highness titles, but in the end, apparently, she thought that was going to be petty. Uh, and so they've kept the titles, but they're not going to use them. So we've got a bit of a compromise there. Uh, and those in the UK pretty much blame Meghan for this? It's, it's Meghan's uh, fault it's where, where we are? Quite, I think a few people blame Meghan, but I don't, you know, I don't think it's fair to blame her for everything. I think uh, Harry could have made her more aware of um, you know, what she was getting into in the first place. Um, and uh, but it, it, that speech, I don't know how much you've heard of it, Scott, but it was it was very strange. It was very reminiscent of 1936. Not that I remember 1936. I'm not that old, but uh, <laughs> from hearing those recordings of King Edward VIII when he abdicated, he, he even sort of sounded a bit like him uh, at times. And the general theme was, you know, that he'd given up everything for the woman he loved. You know, there've been suggestions that Meghan was, you know, almost on the verge of a nervous breakdown and couldn't cope with life inside the royal family. I thought she was going to be more prepared for it because she was already into well into her 30s. You know, it wasn't like Diana when she was 19, 20 coming into the royal family. She'd had a successful career. She was used to meeting people. She was used to dealing with the press. I thought she was going to cope, but uh, it does make me worry, as I, I think I said to you last week, and you sort of raised your eyebrows, that, uh, you know, whether she planned this all along, but only time will tell. Uh, does, as we talked last week, does... Does the monarchy, do the grey suits hold some responsibility here? They're the ones trying to modernize. Here's a brand that was probably bigger than the monarchy itself or as big, and they let slip away. Do they have well, a res- do they have the do they have a responsibility here? I think it was always said that the uh, the men in grey suits, the courtiers, if you like, uh, were very much uh, responsible for the failure of, of Diana and Charles's marriage, and uh, and also Andy and Fergie. They didn't. They didn't really prepare them. They didn't, um, you know, they didn't give them any sort of uh, advice when they first joined. I think with Meghan it was slightly different. A, as I say, because she was older. B, Harry learning from the mistakes that were made with his mother. I would have thought Harry. And this is where, as you say, the blame start partly leads, you know, to Harry. That you know, did he not tell Meghan what to expect? Did he not prepare her? Did he not ask for help uh, to advise her and show her the ropes? You know, it's 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 very difficult to know where the blame lies, and uh, this is the problem. But um, it's very sad that they're going off like this, and I think they're a great loss. Uh, people thought that you know they were going to be a massive asset to the royal family, and maybe they still will. But um, it's going to be very difficult to see how they can make money uh, and still remain royal. So, what is the fallout in the UK? How how is the UK feeling about this and about what happened over the weekend and his speech? Well, it's a, it's a little bit. It's been divided all along uh, for the last two weeks since they first announced this. Um, it's a little bit like Brexit. I think a lot of older people, um, you know, and uh, more staid people feel that uh, you know there hasn't been a great deal of sense of duty coming from Harry and Meghan, and they just they're just going off and doing what they like. A lot of younger people are saying, "Well, why not? You know, why shouldn't they be able to do exactly what they want? Um, you know, it's up to them. It's their lives. If they're not happy, they you know they they should go and seek happiness elsewhere." A little bit of a clue, I think, in the fact that they didn't want their son, Archie, to have a title right from the start. So he was just uh, just uh, Archie Harrison Mountbatten-Windsor. Now, if they didn't want a title for him, does that mean that all along they were planning that, uh, you know, they didn't really want a royal life? 
Um, Harry said before, I mean, this is where some of the speech he made on Sunday was a little bit contradictory. I've heard him say in the past that he didn't really like uh, England very much. He didn't really like living in the UK very much and wanted to go and live in Africa. But now, now that he's leaving, he's saying that, uh, you know, he loves this country and nothing will change. And he's not he's not walking away. But of course, he is walking away. So, you know, you can dress it up how you like. But uh, some people are very, uh, very upset about it. Uh, you, is the UK royal uh, worried that there might be more support for Harry and Meghan than for the royals? You were talking about young people saying, well, gee, you know, they're doing what they want. They're blazing their own trail. Worried that will appeal to, to more people. What happens if, if, if the Harry and Meghan brand becomes more desirable than the Will and Kate brand? Well, it's a very good question. I suppose long term in the future, you know, that could be a danger. And this is where the, the rivalry is something that they've worried about. And this is why they felt they had to make a clean break, because, um, you know, we, we shall see whether they're going to be able to use the, uh, the Sussex royal title that they've got on their website. Uh, that's yet to be decided. And as I say, the whole thing will be reviewed on a on a on a twelve you know an annual basis. After a year, they're going to have another look at this. And if uh, if there are more problems, they might have to tweak it a bit. But uh, we shall see. We don't know whether they're going to spend all their time in Toronto or Vancouver Island or uh, L.A. We don't know whether um, uh, Megan's going to go back to work as an actress or do voiceovers. You know, been suggestion that she's already tied up a deal with Netflix <laughs> and uh, was 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 uh, trying to get some work out of the head of Disney. So I saw you know, that, yeah. it may be that she wants to go back. If she wants mm. to go back and earn a living, that's fine. I'm not quite sure what Harry's going to do. That's going to be it's going to be a bit harder for him. And he he's the one who's giving up a lot. You know, he's sacrificing his blood family, quite a few of his friends, his military um, his military connections. Although he will, of course, continue with the uh, Invictus Games, which is a a massive success for him. He's yeah. going to continue with that, and Centre Bali, his other charity, but uh, and, and a few other charities as well. But he's the one who's giving up a lot. So I hope he knows what he's doing. Phil Dampier has been with us, journalist and author. Has been writing uh, writing about the British royal family for over thirty years. Phil, thanks for the time and insight. Thanks, as Phil. always, much appreciated. It is one forty-five. It's nine hundred CHML. I'm Scott Thompson. Quick break here. More on this when we return. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. God bless our, our guest, Phil Dampier, who's been writing about the Royals, knows more about them than I'll ever know for over 30 years. But they're blaming Megan. It's like Yoko Ono. She's this generation's Yoko Ono. I think it's absolutely hilarious. I, I, I think, that, you know, they treat them like crap, then they're pissed off they're leaving. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't see this as, as any other way. We've seen the headlines. We've seen what they say about them. Why would they not just pack up and leave? And now they're all pissed off. Well, it's Megan's fault. She changed his mind. No, he didn't like you and he left. Stop blaming his wife for it. It's hilarious. Alyssa Freeman, how are you? Alyssa PR. What are your oh, thoughts I'm on all that? Like, I, I, just, I just had a UK guy, uh, very well respected, and I'm not making light of him in any way, very respected UK journalist, uh, written about the Royals for over 30 years, and they're just, they're, they're just constantly blaming Megan for this. It's hilarious. Well, I will say, I do have some depend- opinions on Megan, and I don't think we can compare her to Yoko Ono, because I think that Yoko Ono had talent in one, some way, shape, or form. But be that... <laughs> wow, you wouldn't have said that 20, 30 years ago. Well, if I was in love with John Paul, George, and Rinko, maybe I would not have, because they yeah. say it was her who broke up the Beatles. That's but it. I think, yeah, maybe this is a Yoko Ono syndrome, and that's not quite the Beatles that she broke up, but it's another you know British institution known as the royal family. They're pissed off. They lost a major part of their brand that doesn't want anything to do with them. Okay, so here's the thing. Like, if we want to talk about media coverage, 
with Meg. The one thing that I make, like she's like my friend, you know, <laughs> the one thing that I will say is that she had an absolutely horrible shake with them. And, you know, I'm actually having lunch with a colleague and he gave me this very interesting statistic. And he said that 72% of the coverage around Megan was negative. Mm-hmm. Now, that number is a large number. And that number is also a large number if you actually have to live with it day in and day out. Yeah. So, for example, you know, when Kate was pregnant, she was eating avocados. And they're saying, oh, Kate is being so healthy and she's eating avocados. Yeah. Okay, Megan does the same thing, and she is breaking the backs of foreign yeah, workers yeah. by eating avocados. And, and there are several examples. There's actually a great case study that I hope that people use um, later on when you know, people are learning uh, about communications and crisis communications, about how media coverage can be skewed. So if the media is absolutely not on your side and that they realize that this negative coverage sells papers, well, you know, the British tabloid press has been in existence for many, many years, and they have a formula, and nobody's going to tell them how to do their business. And that's fine. I get that 100%. But don't say it's not that. I mean, let's be honest. They killed the golden goose here. They drove the golden goose away, and now they're angry it's not flying back. You know, the person who gets the really the worst end of this deal, I feel, is not necessarily Megan, but I think Harry. And now we don't even have to call them Prince Harry anymore, right? We don't even have to say, you know, his royal title is taken away from him. And when I read that everything that was taken away from Harry, including his um, affiliation uh, with the British Army, which I think is what he truly, truly loved, and that was a great time of his life, I did feel sorry for him because there is a large part of who he was and all that he knows as he was growing up. So I think that's why the tabloids and the media are so angry, because they're stripping somebody who had, you know, you know, according to royal standards, British royal standards, like a, a lineage and an attachment to his own persona and how he was to comport himself. And now that is all gone. And what I think is really interesting is that Harry did take the opportunity during an event that while he was still in London to actually address the situation. And, you know, when you have people go up in front of the media at a microphone with all eyes and all lights on you, and you are explaining away something that has been very damaging, you know, okay, this is a family, but it's also a brand. I really felt that his words were sincere. Yes, he was reading from something, but you can actually hear and believe the empathy in his voice. So this sort of disattachment has truly, truly, I think, affected him. And it will be interesting to see how it all plays out with them as a duo, as a unit in the years to come. Uh, UK blaming Megan. Uh, do they look in the mirror here? Do they blame the gray suits? Do they blame the way this institution is being run? Uh, they just last, they just let their two biggest brands walk out the door. What have they learned in any of this? Well, I think that we all know that the media is powerful. And somebody once told me uh, a long time ago is that you don't pick a fight with somebody who buys ink by the barrel. And there's something to be said for that. And there are certain things that when the palaces come out and talk to the media and said, lay off, and then the media essentially does lay off. 
But I don't think that the palace did enough in way of intervention because they themselves were unsure about how they felt about Meghan. And I think that there was a lot of reported infighting um, about her effect and her new sort of alliance with the British family. So, you know, the British royal family, honestly, has nothing to, nobody to blame but themselves. I think so. If they didn't think that Meghan was a, Meghan Markle was a, um, an appropriate partner for Harry. Like, you, you can't tell me these people have MI5, they yeah. have Scotland Yard, they have goodness knows who, who else in order to do background checks. If they didn't think that she was the one, then they probably just should have put their foot down. But you know what? Harry has gone through a lot in his young life, and I think that he's been affected much differently than his brother, because mm. his brother is an heir and he is the spare. Yeah. And I think that there's a completely sort of different mental makeup when you think about how you're living your life with in those regards. So, so what now? Does uh, they don't have these two royals to kick around anymore? So who do they kick around? Do they kick around uh, Will and Kate? Do they oh, well, still kick not- around? Yeah, but nobody's going to give a damn. Uh, you know, with these two out of the country, what what the, what the whiny people are still saying back home, and that will quickly run out of juice. But but you know what? I disagree, Scott. I think the world is a really small place. And I think that you can be in Toronto or Victoria Island or, you know, you could be in L.A. and you can still have somebody hiding behind the bushes and getting your paparazzi shots. Yeah. And you know, But at the end of the day, her. let's be honest here. It's a huge slap in the face to the U.K. and the Royals. It's a huge slap. They've walked out and shut the door. And everybody's saying, well, they've lost this, they've lost that. They don't give a damn. They're gone. They're gone. I think, yes, absolutely. And I think that those are things that they, they will have to live with. And yet, I think, I hope that the British royal family regroups because, listen, you know, there's the Harry and Meghan issue here, but the more serious one is really uh, Prince Andrew. And that whole thing. <laughs> exactly. Anywhere. Exactly. Okay? So there are some people who have thought that, oh, this whole Harry and Meghan is just a distraction strategy so people stop talking about Prince Andrew and pedophilia. But yeah. you know what? Those strategies are not, they're ephemeral. They don't last for a long time. So I don't think that, I think that the British royal family will hopefully regroup and modernize the way of uh, they communicate their brand. And they have to be in touch with the way that people are thinking. There was a time when they could do and say as they wanted, because not all eyes of the world were on them 24-7. But now there are these eyes, and people are reporting, and people always have something to say, whether you're a uh, British royal watcher or you're just somebody who happens to have an opinion. Alyssa Freeman. Sorry, I got to cut you off there, Alyssa. Alyssa Freeman has been with us. Alyssa PR talking about everything royal and the brand that was. Alyssa, as always, thanks so much for the time. Much appreciated. Ta-ta for now. (laughs) Ta-ta. The Scott Thompson Show. Weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.